several hundred years before this well-known story found in Luke chapter 19, even several centuries before the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, a Jewish prophet by the name of Ezekiel said this, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, even I myself, will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so God says, I will seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And just a few verses later, Ezekiel concludes by saying, Ezekiel 34 verse 15, I myself will be the shepherd of my people. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. According to Ezekiel, God himself is in the business of finding lost sheep. He doesn't delegate it out. He doesn't turn it over to someone else. God himself is in the business of seeking and saving lost lambs. The man that we all know as Zacchaeus, I find it a bit ironic that the tallest man in the church read today's passage, Jim Mortland. Yes, that wee little man who climbed up the sycamore tree, Zacchaeus was one such lost sheep. Now, he may have been a bit of a black sheep, but by the end of this much-loved story in Luke chapter 19, we find that Zacchaeus was Christ's own precious and rescued sheep. Yeah, that funny little man way up in the tree was himself a lost lamb of the house of Israel. That's tremendously good news for people like you and me. Jesus loves finding lost things. Amen? In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus came expressly to seek and to save lost sheep. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 24, Jesus himself says in response to the great faith of a Canaanite woman in that particular context, that he, Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now there Christ is speaking about the priority of, of reaching and finding the lost lambs of the house of Israel. In another place, in John chapter 10, Christ will go on to say to his disciples, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, not of the Jewish nation, clearly indicating that Christ's mission included, it expanded even to non-Jews, to Gentiles like most of us here in this room this morning. Jesus says to his disciples, I must bring them in also that they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and there will be one shepherd. We could say it this way, friends. These five big reasons why Christ came at Christmas, that Christmas is all about a divine rescue mission, a sovereign search and rescue operation to save a world full of black sheep full of people like Zacchaeus, 
candidly, people like you and people like me. Hear now the word of the Lord again, beginning in Luke chapter 19 and verse 1. The Bible declares, he, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. Let's just take a pause there. Now, chronologically, perhaps you'll recall, if you remember anything, I don't remember much from last Sunday morning, you'll remember from last week's message over in Mark chapter 10 that Jesus was only one week away from his arrest and his crucifixion at the hands of the Romans there outside of Jerusalem. The passage that we pick up today actually follows on the heels of Jesus' healing of the blind man Bartimaeus. Jericho, that prosperous city of the palms, as it's called here, where Jesus had also healed blind Bartimaeus, was the last stop on Jesus's southerly approach as he was heading out of Galilee up to the city of David, where he would be crucified for us. Back to the text, Luke 19, verse 2, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a, of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, Salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Thanks be to God for his excellent and life-changing truth. The Bible says, one of my favorite verses as a child, that if anyone be in Christ, behold, he is a new creation. The old has gone, and behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. We all know this story so well. Luke 19, friends, is itself a living illustration. It is an enduring and excellent example of a whole-of-life transformation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Consider with me several observations about this strange little man hanging in a tree. First, in our passage this morning, we find a grown man has become like a little child. Think about this scene. This is not Broad Street, Philadelphia after the next Eagles Super Bowl victory, mind you. You see all sorts of crazy things happening there. Think about this, Zacchaeus was a, an important man. He was a distinguished man, even if he was despised. He was a man of tremendous means and lavish wealth. He is portrayed here, though, by Luke as a man who is running. 
and a man who is climbing up into a sycamore tree, if only to climb into this tree to catch even the slightest glimpse of this rabbi teacher by the name of Jesus that he had undoubtedly heard about many times before. Culturally speaking, maybe we don't initially understand this, culturally speaking, Middle Eastern men didn't run and climb trees. This was conduct unbecoming to a man of Zacchaeus's class and condition. Certainly not men like Zacchaeus should we expect to find perched up in a tree. The irony here would not have been lost on Luke's audience as they had been tracking his story, even listening to Jesus' words. For just a chapter earlier in Luke chapter 18, we read these words. Jesus, his own lips say this, Truly I say to you, unless whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. I think that's a very strategically placed statement that comes with relief, with contrast in the story of Zacchaeus. A grown man behaving like a little child. Do you remember your own salvation story? Your own date with God's own son? Did you start to act a little bit like a child when you were saved? How very strange. In fact, how oddly wonderful it is to see such behavior. That's just the sort of thing that one ought to expect when God goes looking for his lost sheep. Second observation this morning. We also see that a rich man has become like one who is poor in spirit. Now Zacchaeus, who is called here a chief tax collector, that is a Greek term that is really only used here in the New Testament... He is a very rich man, like really, really rich. This is the only time this particular Greek term is used. It's the only place where Zacchaeus' story is recorded. Luke alone records this. And in some ways, that should not really be surprising at all to us when we know Luke's purposes. Luke has a lot to say about rich people and poor people in his gospel. Here's another grace note of irony in Luke's story found in Luke chapter 18, which again sets off in contrast. Luke 18 verse 24, the Bible says, How difficult it is for those who have wealth, like Zacchaeus, to enter the kingdom of God. Of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. I think we're supposed to remember that statement when we come to see Zacchaeus' story and his salvation. Zacchaeus is rich, but his is dirty money. Look, Zacchaeus would have been buried at the bottom of the list of people that we might have expected to be saved there in the city of Jericho that particular Saturday. But that's just the sort of thing one ought to expect when God goes looking for lost lambs. How did he get so rich? 
Well, listen, Zacchaeus had evidently outbidded the competition to win the despised responsibility of collecting taxes there in the southern region of Israel. Evidently, Jericho was his regional headquarters. Some uh, commentaries have suggested that there were several districts where these taxes were collected. Perhaps the northernmost would have been uh, in the region of Capernaum, where Jesus's home base was, and there was another one in Caesarea Maritime there on the coast, and then the southernmost was in the city of Jericho, where Zacchaeus apparently had found top billing. This was the perfect place for an unscrupulous and unprincipled man to get rich off the backs of others, which is exactly what chief tax collectors, how they made their money. Jericho, remember, was strategically located some 15 miles to the north and east of the city of Jerusalem, a very strategic location. The city's exports of of dates and palm oil made Jericho one of the richest cities in Judea. It was situated on a main trade route and was the final stop for religious pilgrims traveling up to Jerusalem to keep the many feasts of Israel. A lot of money passed through the streets of Jericho, and much of it found its way into one Zacchaeus' hands. This little rich man was the big fish financially there in the city of Jericho. But all of this was about to change. Because that's what happens when God goes looking for his lost sheep. Zacchaeus climbed up the tree rich and proud, but he's going to climb down the tree poor in spirit and humble. How so? Because something, or rather someone, was about to call him and step into his life. Another observation, our third this morning See how this particular small man perched high in a tree becomes big in the eyes of Jesus Christ. Now, unbelievably, this despised, even really hated little man, Zacchaeus, of all people, was on the Lord's agenda that day. Finding lost lambs, we should note, uh, are divine appointments, not annoying interruptions to people like Jesus. Now, it's a bit odd, is it not, that Luke records such a little strange detail about this man Zacchaeus being small in stature. However, as I thought about that this week, it's just the sort of thing that a good doctor like Luke was would have probably pointed out. The average height of a Middle Eastern man back at this time was maybe five feet five inches, five feet six inches in height. Therefore, the fact that Zacchaeus is said to be small in stature must have meant that he was a total shrimp. It's likely that Zacchaeus was less than five feet tall. Could it have been that he was what we might call today a little person? We don't know, but we know that he was a small man. But there's something besides his physical stature that I think that Luke and Jesus has in view here. See, Zacchaeus was also small socially. You see, it was, wasn't just that Zacchaeus worked for the enemy, that is, that he worked for the Romans. He was actually considered to be a traitor to his own people. 
Zacchaeus, as I've said already, was a Jewish man. And his vocation, though highly lucrative, producing great wealth for him, came at great personal cost. It meant that he was an instant social outcast. He was a heel. He was the village villain, you might say. Zacchaeus was a small, lonely, friendless little man. So much so that the text pathetically paints him as being unable even to get a look at the Lord Jesus on account of the large crowds prohibiting him. Verse 3 says, And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Have you ever felt invisible to others? Zacchaeus did. But there was someone who saw him. There was someone who took note of him. By the end of this incredible scene, Zacchaeus is finally visible. He's finally seen by somebody that peers into the very depths of his soul. In fact... He's even called by name. Not, hey, that guy, that despicable person, that distorter. No, he's called lovingly by name by the lover of his soul, by Jesus himself. Verse 3 of John chapter 10 says, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Small men being noticed by a great Savior, is exactly the sort of thing that you might expect to see when God comes looking for lost sheep. Next, observe with me a fourth detail in this particular story, how a sad man becomes joyful through the gift of faith. Now, Zacchaeus' name, ironically enough, meant pure, even righteous, It was the Greek form of a Hebrew name, Zakai, but Zacchaeus clearly was anything but righteous. However, the man that Zacchaeus came to see in the streets of Jericho that day, he was righteous, the man Jesus. The truth is that this man Zacchaeus was utterly despised. He was hated by his own people. He was rejected by his countrymen, sort of like another one. In the story. But for good reason. Verse 7, in fact, tells us that when Jesus invited himself over to dinner at Zacchaeus' house, which again, by the way, is the only time that happens in all the Gospels, that the crowds grumble, and Luke, in a hyperbolic sort of way, says they all grumbled, and they said, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And again, I think we should sort of be caught by that statement because that's us. That's all of us. I mean, who's so high and mighty to be put off by the fact that Jesus calls this man by name and wants to have supper with him? Zacchaeus was a religious pariah. He was an outcast socially and spiritually. One source said that anything that Zacchaeus touched was then forbidden, prohibited, in fact, from being offered at the temple. He was a sad, he was an empty, he was a lost and lonely man. 
And he was desperately seeking on this particular day to see who Jesus was. And if Jesus would be the one to finally fill the void that was cavernously in his life. Yes, to be sure, friends, Zacchaeus was a sinner. But friends, Jesus is a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Luke chapter 7 verse 34 says, This son of man came to, ha- to, to be a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Back in Luke chapter 5, at the call of another tax collector, a man by the name of Levi, we know him as Matthew, almost assuredly the person who, who Zacchaeus heard about Christ from. The Bible says in Luke 5, 31, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick... Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Christ came on a rescue mission to seek and to save sinful people. People like you and me. You see, Zacchaeus went up the tree sad, but by the end of the story, he comes scurrying down the tree very, very happy. Verse 6 of Luke 19 says, So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Joyfully. We should probably note, by the way, that joy is one of the great themes of the Gospel of Luke. That word joy is employed some 20 times in Luke's Gospel. It is a recurring theme and motif of the Messiah. Sadness being transformed into joy. Again, that's just the sort of thing that one might Come to expect when God goes looking and finding his lost little lambs. A grown man becoming like a child. A rich man becoming poor in spirit. A small man being big in the eyes of Jesus. And a sad man becoming joyful through the gift of faith. Now here a fifth observation from this passage this morning. But a greedy man. Here, becoming generous by God. Earlier in Luke's gospel, the man John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, had declared to the people of Israel in Luke chapter 3, verse 8, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Be changed, John said. Well, what Zacchaeus found when he climbed out of that tree that particular day was a fresh start, resulting from a changed heart through the Son of God Himself. Listen, committing to Jesus Christ doesn't excuse, doesn't immediately eliminate the consequences of bad behavior and sinful actions. Our guilt before God is expunged and taken away, but consequences often do follow us in our sin. But extravagant grace friends, leads to extravagant good works. And that's exactly what we see in the man Zacchaeus' life. Now, somewhere between Luke 19.5 and Luke 19.7, this man Zacchaeus, I believe, is born again. It's hard to pinpoint it any closer than that. And by the way, that's way uh, above our pay grade. That's not our place to say But when verse 8 comes, look at verse 8, and we see Zacchaeus now standing up and declaring aloud, vowing to give half of his possessions away to the poor, 
And this wealthy man here being willing to restore to anyone whom he has defrauded fourfold in accordance with the law of Moses in, in Exodus chapter 22, verse 1, and Numbers chapter 5, verse 7, what we see there is fruit, not root, of salvation. Zacchaeus is not saved based upon his promise to restore what he had defrauded. That is the initial evidence that he has been saved already. It is by grace that you've been saved through faith, the Bible says. You see, saved people are changed people. He could not come down the tree the same way that he went up the tree. Zacchaeus' new life in Christ involved now a new heart by grace, resulting in a new direction of good works and righteous deeds. Beginning, of course, with the initial fruit of repentance and restitution. That word restitution meaning going now to make right what one had done wrong. This formerly greedy man is now able to be a generous man based upon his experience with a generous and gracious Savior. This too is something we might learn to expect when God goes looking and finding his lost sheep. There is a sixth observation in the text as well. Namely, that an ethnically Jewish man on this very day became a son of Abraham in faith. The Bible says in Romans chapter 9, verse 6 and verse 7, For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham that are of his, of his offspring. In other words, you can be a physical descendant of Abraham and still miss out on the promises of God to Abraham. This, this is why Christ came, folks. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost sheep of the house of the real Israel. Sheep that are both Jewish and Gentile sheep. Jesus, remember, is the man in the parable of Luke 15. That great chapter that records three different parables about lost things being found and parties in heaven erupting afterwards. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Listen to the context. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost." Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. By the end of our story, Zacchaeus, who was already a physical descendant of Abraham according to the flesh, had become a spiritual descendant of Abraham according to the gift of faith. Isn't this what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, 
where he says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. This is clearly what Jesus meant in verse 9 when he said, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. A Jewish man ethnically climbed up a tree one day in Jericho and he came down something that he wasn't before. He came down a son of Abraham by faith. Why? Because that's just the sort of thing you might come to expect when God goes looking for his lost sheep. A grown man becomes like a child, a a rich man becomes poor in spirit, a small man becomes big in the eyes of Christ, a sad man becomes joyful through welcoming Jesus by the gift of faith, a greedy man walks away from this encounter now being generous in good works, and a Jewish man has become a son of Abraham by faith. But there's one last observation that we must make about this particular man, Zacchaeus, and it is this. Here we see that a lost man has become a rescued lamb by grace. Zacchaeus was grown, he was rich, he was small. You have to understand, Luke recorded these details very intentionally. He was a sad, greedy Jewish man, but the most important characteristic for Zacchaeus and for anyone here this morning is that we are lost people. We are lost people. He was a black sheep, but by the end of the story, we find he is God's sheep. Luke 19.10, others have noted it as well, is effectively a one-verse commentary on the entire book of Luke. The entire gospel of Luke can be summed up in this one statement. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Everything we read in Luke can fit into that one incredible verse. See, Zacchaeus went up a tree to see Jesus. But Jesus was lifted up on a tree to save Zacchaeus. The Bible says in John chapter 12, verse 32, And I, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people unto myself. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 11, The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Listen to me this morning. To be lost is not so much a feeling as it is a condition. Perhaps you've been lost. It is a terrifying feeling, but it's way more than a feeling. It is a spiritual condition. The Bible says in Romans 3 verse 23, for all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we are all lost apart from the Son of Man. The fact of the matter is there are only two categories of people here on this earth. There are the lost and there are the found. There are the sinners and there are the saved. There are those who live in constant rebellion against God and there are those who have received the gift of Christ's righteousness through the gift of faith in Jesus Christ, which 
type of person are you? I think of what the Apostle Paul said. One of the things that strikes me most about Paul is that the further he went in his Christian journey, the more aware he was of his depravity, the more aware he was of his need for the Savior. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 and verse 16, these words should resound in our souls. Paul says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. The Apostle Paul. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul's road was Damascus. Zacchaeus' destination was Jericho when he met Christ. Where is yours? Where were you when Jesus stepped into your life and turned things upside down? Or rather, right side up by his grace. Listen, like Paul, Jesus, sorry, Zacchaeus was singled out by name and wonderfully and radically saved. We find in verse 5 of Luke 19, Jesus says, Zacchaeus, not, hey, uh, you up there. No, he calls him by name, Zacchaeus, you, hurry down, come down, for I must stay at your house this day. Jesus did not really invite himself over. He insisted that he come to save him that day. Jesus does not negotiate. He commands us to come. He commands us to be saved. John chapter 10 verse 3 says, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I wonder again, when was your Luke 19 moment? Maybe your testimony is not nearly as dramatic as Zacchaeus's, but some of them are. Have you even had a moment like this with such a man who came from heaven to save you? John 10 verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I remember where I was when Jesus called me by name. I was sitting in my high school football stadium at a crusade with Rick Gage, and I came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and it was as, as if heaven itself parted, and God called me by name, and I came running to the Savior. Where were you? Have you been saved? Pastor Tabidi and Abiway said, the Lord knew Zacchaeus long before Zacchaeus knew the Lord. And such is the case with all of us in salvation. There's an old Puritan hymn that puts it this way. I sought the Lord and afterward I knew he moved my soul to seek him, seeking me. It was not I that found, O Savior, true. No, I was found and I was found of thee. Here's the deal. God in Christ is the great seeker of lost sheep. Zacchaeus may have thought he was on a search that day, but Jesus was on an infinitely greater search. He was searching out Zacchaeus. 
The story of Christmas is the story of God seeking and saving love for a lost and dying world. He still seeks lost sheep today. It is a story that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to most people unless they're given the gift of faith. It's a story of God's radical love for outsiders, for losers, for lepers, for widows, and for blind beggars like Bartimaeus. It's a story of God's love for children and even for tax collectors, chief tax collectors like Zacchaeus. But friends, it's the reason why Christ came. He came to seek and to save the lost. Let me ask you, what's more scandalous and counterintuitive today? To think about a small, wealthy, rich man curiously hanging up on a limb looking at some Jewish rabbi, or to consider an unblemished lamb, even the Son of Man, the Son of God, hanging on a cross that he did not deserve to die on. Which is more counter-cultural? Which is more revolutionary? I don't want you to miss my point this morning. Because as odd as it is to think about this man Zacchaeus up in a tree, there's another man we need to look at on a tree. It is the man Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22 and following, of Christ, it says, He committed no sin, and neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. It's the man on the tree who came to seek and to save the lost. It's the man on the tree who came to seek men and women up in a tree of our own misery and filth and moral decay. He came to die for us, to save us, to rescue us, to seek and save us. And I ask you this morning, is somebody knocking on the door of your heart today? I think of Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, a verse many of you know. Behold, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. Jesus, listen to me, wants to go home with you today. He wants to go home. He wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to have peace with you. Jesus wants to change your life and mine. If you're a lost, lonely, scared little lamb this morning, know this. The Son of Man came to seek and to save you. He came to seek and to save you. The Lamb of God died on the cross so that you might live forever with Him. So become like a child today. Come running and come climbing to see Jesus. Become poor in spirit today. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
become joyful today. Joy is synonymous with the Christmas season and spirit. Did you come searching for answers? Did you come searching for significance when you walked in these doors this morning? Did you come looking for something, maybe even someone to finally fill the void in your heart and life? He's here. He's calling. Jesus is calling your name. Will you listen to him this morning? If you're still seeking, if you're still up in the tree, if you're still tired and lonely and confused and empty and worn out and greedy, Jesus is calling you. He's calling you to hurry and come down because he wants to stay at your house today. But you must come. You must open the door. You must respond to Jesus today. Maybe many of you, I'd say the majority of you here this morning are already Christians. And I praise God for that. How should you respond to this display of amazing grace and this announcement of gospel news this morning? Well, let me ask you, do you grumble and do you roll your eyes when you hear others in the church talk about Jesus going home with sinners? Oh, surely God doesn't want to save that person or this relative. Don't scoff. It's how we so often respond. And when we do, we expose a pharisaical heart, a heart that's rotten like sinners. What goes through your mind when you hear somebody at church talk about them sharing their faith with someone that you think is unreachable, even undeserving of God's grace? When was the last time that you joined God on a search and rescue party to find one of his lost little lambs? How might this passage shape the way you or I respond to those who maybe don't fit in here at Trinity? I close with a statement. Pastor Ray Ortland once said this. It's an amazing statement. He says, hell is filled with people who believe that they deserve to be in heaven. And heaven is filled with people who know that they deserve to be in hell. The mission of the manger is full of surprises. And today we've seen that Zacchaeus is one of the biggest. I have a thing for black sheep. Because I know I am one. Jesus loves to rescue lost lambs. May you be one if you're lost this morning. And may you join Jesus on his mission of finding one if you're one of his found sheep. Amen? Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Almighty God and Father, what a remarkable story about a remarkable Savior. Almighty God and Father, I pray this morning, if there is even one here this morning who has never responded to the call of Christ, to the wooing of the Holy Spirit, I pray that today would be the day, young or old, male or female, it does not matter. Christ came to seek and to save the lost. So Lord, I pray right now as we respond with this next song, if there is even one,
I pray that they would come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They would see not only the depth of their sin, but the beauty of the Savior. And they would respond, Lord, calling out to you that they need your mercy. They want to follow Christ. They want to be saved by him. That they would seek out an elder, Pastor Jerry, myself, before they leave this morning. I pray, Lord, if there's any believer who is so often like the Pharisees, despising Christ's mercy towards sinners, forgetting that we once were just that way, that we would be quick to repent, quick to respond, and say, Lord, help us to have eyes and ears and hands like Christ that go after lost lambs. Lord, we'll give you the glory, for you're a glorious God. You love to save lost things. We pray you'll do so today in Jesus' name. Amen.